0: what are we really seeking in life? If we're seeking meaning and fulfillment and how do we go about that? What are your best practices? What are the things you've learned from interviewing, you know, basically the best of the best in this field?
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's just dive straight into it.
1: I love it. Um, Yeah. So let's start there's when you ask that question of me, I think a few things come to mind immediately. And I'm really grateful within which the context that you hold and you bring. Obviously, being a podcaster, I've started to really understand the conversation that philosophers have around context is king. Um, Just to give you guys a a small example, I guess we had Marianne Williamson on the podcast. um, And for me, it was a huge episode because she's a spiritual activist running for president. And literally, we called the podcast Spiritual Activism for President, which for me, that lights my soul up like (laughs) no end. Um, but if we made a post, you know, Marianne Williamson says no to gluten, sure. Great idea. Great concept. Yes, we say no to gluten, but the context is really powerful. So when we have someone like that running for president, you know, the spiritual activism conversation, like the context is not lost on us and it just impacts us that much deeper. So just straight out of the gates, um, yeah, thanks, Skip. Like you holding space for the fulfilling our conversation is is really potent. And just to have that mirror reflected back in me is is really humbling. So great to be here, great to be having that conversation in this space. So diving into that, when you mention it's interesting that you mention the word seek and then fulfillment, right? So I'll come at it from my perspective. And this is usually when I preface stuff, and I mu- I must have done this in the last um in the last take as well we are the universe looking in on ourselves is like tenant fundament number one, right? For me, that's where everything begins. And so my journey is completely unique to yours. Yours is completely unique to the second person's, but as my faith for me, so I'm just going to speak to my truth, which is what you've asked for as a Sikh. My faith is actually that of a Sikh, right? Now I'm not Sporting a beard, not sporting a turban, um, and sporting's probably even the wrong word to use, but in my heart, in my faith. In every single way, like I'm a Sikh, it's my father's faith, and I inherited it. And some people have challenges with inheriting their their parents' faith, and they want to live life on their own terms. I totally respect and honor that. Um, but for me, the faith of a Sikh is it was very difficult not to be a Sikh growing up as a Sikh. So just to give you a bit of context, my mum was Hindu, my dad Sikh. My mum, being Indian, she adopted my father's religion, and uh, for me, it just I grew up in a Christian school, Muslim friends. Hindu mother, Sikh father, I kind of had the pick of the litter, to be honest. And I'm not saying this faith is better than any of the other faiths, um, but this faith really resonated with me. Why? So the name Sikh, the name of the faith, the religion that you adopt, Sikh, literally Sikh to Sikh, but it's spelled S-I-K-H, in our language, in Punjabi, means to learn. So your religion is to learn. My religion is to learn. And so I'm just here to learn in every single way. And the thing is, there are some key tenets to the religion humility, truth, but humility being a really big one, right? And if you're humble enough, if you slow down and you just really like humble yourself, a blade of grass can teach you all the secrets of the universe, right? And if I'm humble enough, I walk around with this this belief, and this is hence why I'm a podcast, like every person is a book from which you can at least take a page or a chapter, right? Like just the humility to be able to learn from people. Um, so that humbleness, that keeps you open on the path of being a Sikh. And Sikh to me is a really powerful kind of frame to just live life with. So our word for God is, is Wahiguru. And Waheguru is, when I break it down for me, is Wa means wow. He is like like an inspired inhale, right? Inspired evolution. (laughs) Like a little inspired inhale. And Guru is teacher. And Gu means, I think, one way or the other, I think Gu is darkness and Ru is light. So Guru is dispeller of darkness, right? So wow, my teacher. Wow, the dispeller of darkness into light. Um, And so when you drop into that, it's like, Our word for God is basically teacher, right? And my faith is that of student. So in this conversation, I'm learning from you. Um, In moments, you know, I'm learning from my wife. I'm learning from my father. I'm learning from, you know, when I have kids, I'm sure they're going to teach me. Um, I'm learning from my friends. I'm learning from my environment. I'm learning from life's lessons. So this whole path of being a Sikh and God being my teacher, it was just very easy to adopt, like it didn't really conflict with my like I'm an engineer by background you know very academically touch wood kind of focused Um, and science was always there was some parts of science that were at odds with religion now I understand a little bit more more about myth and archetypes and that sort of stuff so I'm a bit more open-minded but as a kid I was less open-minded so I kind of needed something that fit with the two between religion and science and as a, as I was learning science and I was learning, you know, to be academic, it just, my my path was to learn, to be a studious and it just really worked to be a seek. So when you ask me about seeking fulfillment, um, it's really interesting because I, like fulfillment is to just continuously learn, right? So just learn and learn and learn. And that translates to grow and grow and grow. So that's kind of my perspective at which I come to fulfillment from. When we start talking about fulfillment, I think, it's, I think it's a conversation that we don't have enough, to be honest, and I'm really grateful that we're having this conversation. I'll never forget, it was probably, I'm going to take a stab in the dark, it was probably about five or six years ago, I remember watching an Edo Portal documentary uh, produced by London Real. London Real um mentored me into podcasting like amazing work that they do and um I remember listening to Edo Portal and do you know who you know who Edo is don't you skip yeah like the the movement and um yeah and he's he's he polarizes some people because he's quite opinionated about certain things but his whole ethos is just move just move your body and I love his approach. He's like, don't be a master at anything. Just be a beginner at like fucking everything, you know. Just like be, gym- be a gymnast, be a be a weightlifter, be a ballerina, you know. And it's just like, just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. These new patterns of movement that bring in. And for me, he embodies that 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 kind of curiosity, that seek, right, really deeply. So. Curiosity is an interesting tangent, and we can talk about that. Actually, let's go there. So when we're talking about like the universe, we are the universe looking in on ourselves, one of the fundamental things is the universe must be curious. Why is it looking in on itself? Yeah? So there is this curiosity that it's got there, that it wants to sort of learn about itself. It wants to look in on itself, and hence the faith of the Sikh, right? Now, bringing it back to Edo Portal, he mentioned this thing in just like, it was just like a quick sentence, but you know how sometimes people just say these things and they just stick. Like just someone will just say something in passing and like, and happens on the podcast all the time. Like I'll just be having a conversation. Someone will like reach out to me based on the back of the podcast. Like dude, this one thing that was shared or one thing that you said just completely changed the game for me. And I was like, Oh, I don't even remember saying that. Or well, I don't even remember that saying that. Like, it's interesting how we all take different things. But because we're in different positions in different places where different lenses looking in, we're meant to be taking different things away. There's a beautiful metaphor there. But before I get sidetracked once again <laughs> on another tangent, you know, Portal goes, happiness is a really weak orientation. Fulfillment is a really strong orientation. And he was, and then he just kind of went on his way and stopped talking about all these other things. And I kind of like paused and I just stopped and I was like, wait, what did he just say? Because everybody's looking for happiness. Everybody's looking for happiness. Like, since all I can remember, you know, and he said, happiness is a really weak orientation. I started to actually unpack this. And in my coaching now, I've started to realize that, yeah, I, I actually would wholeheartedly agree. And it's because happiness is fleeting and happiness can teach you, but happiness can only teach you so much, right? If it wasn't for the rain, the sun wouldn't feel so good, right? So if it wasn't for the sadnesses and the sorrows, we wouldn't have this capacity to really dive deeper into going, wow, like my joy is really something to be treasured, right? If you were joyful all the time, that'd be your baseline. Yeah. And notice I use the word joy. Joy is different to happiness. Happiness is for me surface level. It's like, yep, this makes me happy. Chocolate makes me happy. Joy is like setting up a podcast and connecting with people like Skip, connecting with people that inspire me, you know, people that write the books that have inspired my journey like years and years and years ago. And now I get to have face to face conversations with them. That takes work. That's hard. You know, like I've got to reach out to these people. We've got to stay on top of them to try and get in touch with them, to build that connection, then get them on, have the confidence to have the conversation. And then from there, you know, like do all the editing, get everything out, make sure, you know, I've got a team behind me that can support that to a level that respects the people that come on. Like it's, it, you know, does it all make me happy? <laughs> happy? <laughs> I'm up at 1A, you know, mm-hmm. not always, you know, but does it bring me joy? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So joy is like spirit deep. Yeah. Joy goes all the way down to spirit deep and that's the place where joy resides. So I think joy is a pretty strong orientation, but again, it discounts for the fact that like I lost my mentor two years ago and she, when she passed away, like it took me about 12, like it took me a whole 12 months to really process that. And it has changed me in so many ways. Like I've become so much more of like a, like I've become more of an adult. I can just feel that, you know, um, this childlike kind of I'm um, like I the, people would argue there's still plenty of child in me <laughs> but um there's some there's some elements of like, you know, that have been eroded away, which is just like, hey, like, you know, death is this thing that's coming for all of us. And just what that taught me in terms of ah right? Like joy is also passing. So what is even deeper than that? It brought it home again. Fulfilment. Yeah. So fulfillment for me is if you're here to learn here to learn everything that you were you signed up to learn some people prescribe to the idea that you know we came in wanting to learn like knowing which lessons we were going to learn and that's why we signed up for that lesson and some people those you know some of those people would even argue that those that come into life as you know as cripples those that come into life with like mental challenges some people believe that these people actually are like awakened, enlightened, like souls that were ready to take on the path of that journey to alleviate that suffering. You know, um, it's definitely not for me to say. It. I don't have any expertise in this mystical space, um, but there are these all these perspectives that we can afford ourselves, right? And so, for me, the conversation around fulfillment is okay. So, who are you? That's a whole question in itself. <laughs> what are you here to do? Why are you here? All right. I remember that being one of the earliest questions my dad asked me that was a philosophical question. And my dad, I'm so grateful for this man. He, um, imagine being like, you know, you're learning your timetables, (laughs) you know, you're like young and this person's like, so why are you here? And you're trying to explain to him, oh, because, you know, mum dropped me off and, you know, like I'm here now. (laughs) And he's like, listen, why are you here? And it's like, oh, because this is our home and it's I like it here. And it's like, why are you here in life? And it was like, What? Like, who can answer that? Like, I don't know, like you and mum made love and now I'm here, <laughs> you know? And it's just like and, and it's and it's just and it was just like this weird and it's like it just kept and that stayed with me. You know, this this thirst for just these koans, these questions that will never be answered. And that's one of the things that I've had to resolve as well on the journey of, you know, that like not knowing is an ultimate knowing. (laughs) You know, there are certain things that you're just not going to know and learning to embrace that is kind of going, okay, am I going to be okay with not knowing that? I see a lot of people that are, you know, and especially some of the people that I coach, they just need to know everything. You know, and I, and I relate, you know, it's no surprise that these are some of the people that are coming to me because I was there like two, three years ago. I was like, I'm just going to figure all of this shit out. I'm just going to figure it all out. All of life. I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm going to nut it. Um, that's the
0: engineer, right? It reminds me of Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, I'm going to science the shit out of this.
1: <laughs> exactly that, right? And so, yeah. So the, the energy around that is like coming home to not knowing and then just realizing that I'm already here to learn some lessons. Um, the conversation around surrender is a present one then. The conversation around acceptance becomes relevant then. Um, but fulfillment is basically me being here to fulfill. The only way I can really describe it, and I'm going to go into fiction land here, is let's just say your life is a prophecy. Every, every life is a prophecy. The fact that stars aligned for you to be birthed into this dimension, this space, the way that it is here and now, if that's not prophetic, I don't really know what is, right? But I know that that word may have certain baggage to it that may not fit the context of what we're trying to say, but let's just imagine we're reading a fiction book for now. So come along that hypothetical tangent. And if we're in that prophetic kind of space, then there is a fulfillment of the prophecy that is you. And that's the way I'd like to put it. So on the journey, like we're just fulfilling, not necessarily destiny, right? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. No one can really say, no one can answer that question around destiny. Many have tried and, and you know, come up short, whether it is, whether it isn't destined. Um, but I do believe there's an inner and an outer purpose, Um, the inner purpose being the purpose of Amrit, this particular lens that's looking in on the universe and the outer purpose of life in general. Like the, the Hindus believe in four, four ages. Sikhs believe in the four ages as well. Like four, like, um, Satyuk, we're in the dark age right now. Um, and then we're transitioning into the age of truth back. And it's like this cycle that keeps going. Right. So there's all these ages that we live through, but that's the outer purpose of what's going on. And then there's the inner purpose of my role. And the way I like to describe it is like there's a wave, right? So it's like the wave is about to crash on the shore. But as you see that breaking wave, there's like this molecule of water looking in on the wave. There's this molecule of water looking out on the wave. So this little molecules inner purpose is to look this way. This little molecules inner purpose is to look this way, but the overall purpose is to crash on the shore, right? It's wave breaking on shore. Now that bleeds into a whole conversation around where we go with life coaching because you often find that this person is not happy being here and this person may not be necessarily happy being here. They all want to be up here or somewhere else on the wave and they're all trying to be each other, but it's just like, hey, 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 you don't have to be anyone else, just be you. (laughs) But what is it that you really want to be? And there comes those questions. Who are you? Why are you here? What do you want to do? So... I'm not sure if i've entirely answered your question um i think it's a question that you know we will continue to explore for life but here we are
0: <laughs> so i've got so many tangents to go through that i think are beneficial but you brought up uh you know i want to bring this concept of the wave and the different lenses that we can all mm. look at and go through and i'm really curious i know you do coaching Can you share a story, even if it's like anonymous, of some recent story of a client and the challenge that they have gone through and someone who had like a miraculous resolution so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many. (laughs) Which one do I start with?
0: Um, I love these like concrete stories. Of how yeah. all of these amortisms are applied and all these things you've sort of <laughs> commingled and brought together from all of these various teachers and your life of seeking?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so there there are quite a few examples because right now, like yeah, in my roster of clients, there's 20 of them. And we're talking Japan, Canada, the States, all over the States, India. Um yeah, people from all over the world. So I'm going to use the example, I think, that is most um, – perhaps she, she didn't turn – it like she hasn't turned out the most successful on the other end of like mainstream success, right? But I think it's an example that really highlights what we're talking about in this space um, and we'll keep it anonymous just for respect of her and, you know, that's like a big thing when we sign up for coaching. It's always, you know, I will respect your privacy. So um, – but when she's listening in, she's going to know I'm talking about. <laughs> of course. It's, it's, like it's going to be it's specific enough. It's only for me, you and me to know. But um, she basically is... Um... She was. And COVID has been a really interesting time, brother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. no surprise that, you know, I used to have a roster of a full client, like a full client base was five clients at a time. And I would do that and plan out my whole year based around those five clients. I do take on two intakes throughout the year. And right now it's just a rolling wave of 20 clients. Like it's just boom, 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 boom. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that COVID's in place. And this conversation that you're having with me around fulfillment, people are actually having that with themselves. Yeah, this is not this is not foreign news anymore. Now it's like becoming a thing. It's like, whoa! Like the whole world has stopped. Um, what is the meaning of all of this? Like, what? Like I'm just going to work nine to five, and I'm now I don't have to go into work, but I'm still like here in Australia, the government's still paying me. What is the purpose of wait? What is my purpose? What, what? Right. So people are starting to ask these questions, and so it's like, you know. By some grace of God, I've been having this conversation for that little bit longer than since the virus has been around. Um, and so people are like reaching out, going, hey, like, I think it's a really good time for me to me to get coached. And um, and so we've been having all these conversations around purpose. For me, the fundamental tenant, just so you guys understand where I'm coming from, health and purpose are the same thing for me. You know, and that was informed by my biggest challenge, which was depression. Um, I was purposeless. And yeah, it was just, it was... It didn't spell a lot of good news for me at the time. It was like a lot of mental health issues, that like or a mental health issue that came out of that. And then I went on the journey of healing, and I realized purpose is fundamental, and purpose is fulfillment, right? So if you can walk that path and not suppress certain parts of yourself, so you ask me for an example. Let's come back to that. So this beautiful sister, she is she's got a family of three, three kids, and her husband. She lives in the states. And she, um, she's a, she's a, uh, she's a pillow. She either does, uh, it's not accounting, um, but it's some sort of like, that's kind of the energy of it. Like she works for a multinational organization where she basically keeps accounts and like keeps, like keeps all the numbers and everything in check for them. And she's been doing this for like 10, 15 years. Like it's been her, you know, and she's really good at it. Um, but she's also prone to working over time. Um, you know, she's, she's just on that journey of, yeah, this is, this is her life. And then COVID happened and it was interesting because she had a car accident a couple of months before COVID. So she was already sidelined for a little bit. And it's interesting because I personally, when we talk about the fulfillment conversation and prophetic kind of living, um, I don't feel like we get sidelined per chance. Yeah. I feel like we're learning something like a really good friend of mine at the moment has a knee injury and a shoulder injury and we've been talking and I've been talking to him about it for a bit and he just came out of the woodworks he's like can you just coach me a little bit I'm like yeah for sure and we were talking and I was like have you like how's your meditation practice how's like your inner life and he's just like yeah I've been neglecting and I'm like perhaps your body's communicating it's time to sort of spend some time inside bro like I'm not saying that's everything but perhaps that is one of the messages that is potential for, their, for you to learn, right? The faith of the Sikh, to learn from everything. So perhaps this is one of the lessons that may be there. And so this lady, she's been working, working, working. She gets sidelined and she's already taking time off and she's already having some of these big, big, big questions around why am I going to work all the time? Work doesn't really make me miserable. Uh, Work kind of makes me miserable and I don't really get a lot of like joy and happiness out of it. I'm not really sure why I'm doing it, but I know it helps my family. So, okay, maybe I'll get a coach. So she's got a coach and we start talking about, Hey, like what are some of your values? And I love starting with values. It's just, it's just such a safe, easy, universal place to be. Like life coaching is so fingerprinted, so unique to the individual. Um, but one universal place we can all begin is values, right? Like, because that'll help you identify your fingerprint in many ways. So for those curious about me, it's connection, contribution, celebration. But even in that, what celebration means to me is not what it means to you. So celebration to you might mean, you know, going out to Ibiza and having a party. For me, celebration means vitality, right? Being able to celebrate life. So it's, you know, these words are just words, but they mean something very different in this energetic signature to us. And so we've gone on this coaching journey and we've started unpacking what her values are and family is one of her highest values, which is what's kept her in her job, right? Because she's wanted to be able to support her family. And then we've talked about create and then she's like, Oh, and creativity is huge for me. I love being creative. And I'm like, do you have any outlets for that value? No. And I'm like, well, then how do you know it's so big for you? And she's like, Oh, because sometimes I'd like to draw and sometimes like, you know, I just, I'm just researching pottery skills and I'm just looking at people do pottery and, you know, just just watching them soothes me. And I was like, okay, so sculpting and painting. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, would you be open to just exploring that as a passion? She's like, oh, if that that would be an amazing hobby. And so we went on this journey and she started, you know, and this is like, how bizarre is this? This is life coaching. Like how do we organize your life, right? And this is like her exploring her passions. So she starts painting. And she's a really good painter. And she starts sculpting. And her sculptures are, like, really fun. Like, you can feel her essence and her energy. And she's like, it's not good. And I'm like, dude, it's got so much character. It's amazing. And so... She then starts setting up, and so obviously being Mr. Podcast, I have a bit of a bent towards social media. I'm not saying social media is everything, but it kind of helps if you're trying to communicate, find your feet, communicate a message. We're doing it right here, right? So she set up her Instagram, and now it's got followers, and she's kind of finding her way as this painter sculptor, right? Now, there's many of inflection points along this journey. Like some people are like, oh, yeah, maybe she is just exceptionally good, and that's not for me. And the reality is she feels that sometimes. She feels that other people are way better painters. Other people are way better sculptors. You know, why is she even wasting her time? And then she'll have these conversations. And I'm like, you're not wasting your time. This is what's bringing your soul's essence to the world. Like this is you communicating what's deep inside and brings you joy. And this is you just, and if, if, and this is like, oh man, <laughs> When I talked to Stephen Kotler on the podcast, he talks about how there is just this new norm, which is the baseline anxiety that we live with, right? Uh, which is 20th century normal, which is just reality with 20% anxiety built into it, right? So when I'm like, who cares Like, what other people think, right? The reality is you're doing this as a mental health exercise. Like if this is where I need to take you to have this conversation so you will embrace your, uh, your, your creativity – you're jeopardizing your mental health. You're walking into depression. And it's like, what? Why am I walking into depression if I'm not painting and sculpting? That's a question you guys may be tuning into. Well, the reality is, from my perspective, is that depression is just the opposite of expression in many ways. When you're depressing, you're stifling your values. You're not letting that express, right? So what is it that your soul, your spirit, your life, right? What is your fulfillment? What is the expression of your fulfillment? What are you trying to express? So you need to hold aside maybe 20 minutes to meditate, but also 20 minutes to pot and paint, right? Because that's vital for your energy. Now, one of the cool things you'll notice is that when you're doing that sort of stuff, whatever it is that's in alignment for you, for you it may not be pottery. For some people it is business. For some people it's podcasting and conversation like this is for me, right? Whatever it is, you find you drop into flow, right? And I live for flow, right? Right? When I first read Stephen Kotler's book, Stealing Fly, at the end, he kind of goes, yeah, people start designing their life around flow once they've got a taste of it. And I was like, toot your own horn much, drink your own Kool-Aid much, shut up. (laughs) And now I'm in that space where I'm like, oh, shit, totally. (laughs) Now, the reason I believe we have flow, if we go back to that water wave molecule thing, right the example, if you are the wave... You feel flow because you're facing the right direction and you're surfing the outer wave with your inner wave. You're actually surfing the current so you feel flow. The energy just arrives, right? It's bigger than you. You're in the currents. With the inner and the outer are aligned. So you're in, you're, you're in fulfillment and you know that. And so people will start – she starts pottering and painting. Pottering, I'm just calling it that now. <laughs> um, and so she's in that zone and like hours go by. Right? And it's just like, uh, we only set aside twenty minutes in your calendar to do that. You've got other commitments as well. And she's like, Amra, I just I just lose time. I just I just don't know what to do about it. And I'm like, there's nothing you need to do about it. Just know that this is what just know that that is flow, right? That's what you're feeling. Like spaciousness, timelessness, um, ease, effortlessness, and the richness that comes with that, right? And now she's got this following on social media around her art and around her around her pottery. Now, other people that have done Other things that I've coached that are, you know, way more successful, like I've got a friend who, yeah, now he used to work for corporate and now what he does basically is he brings wellness practitioners to corporate clients to facilitate and he's doing great with that. Another friend of mine, um, he started a, um, I say friend. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> they, they every my coaching clients are not being your friends, right? Um, and so, yeah. Anyway, there's so many different examples, man. There's so many different examples like that. But I, th- I really like that one because it's someone that's fully corporate, fully numbers oriented, and just didn't give herself the space, time, and energy to go where she needed to. Life sidelined her to come back home to herself for a little bit. She, for me, did all the right things. Found a coach, you know, and we we had a really good like gel. Um, I think that's a really big thing as well. Like you know, I'm definitely not prescribe my coaching to everybody. Like if I literally start coaching discovery calls with, we are the universe looking in on ourselves. Do you agree? And if you're like, no, I'm like, can you agree? And they're like, no. And it's like, Hey, like, I'm not the right coach for you. You know, like um, we're going to, you know, my, all my f- philosophies are based on that, but finding the right match in a coach is really, really important. And then from there where she goes with that whole conversation, like in her journey of like, you know exploring her art and then her self belief in around that and then people kind of following her afterwards and then that giving her a little level of belief in herself as well and and just watching that journey transform because it's so it's so left logic brain numbers all the way to the right creative brain with you know that I feel like that is one of my favorite favorite examples
0: beautiful and this comes back when i talk about fulfillment i talk about fulfilling error, I, I broke down, and I actually had a guest on the show um, a, few, a few months ago now, back when I was in D.C., we filmed with Frederick Douglass Bussey. He has a book called Breaking Orbit, and him and mm. I have both, both put together sort of like a, a guide step process of how to find things that will fulfill you, like pottery or like painting for that woman. And it's funny mm. because, of course, we know the things that are going to fulfill us. Like, we, yeah. we already know what those things are, or we know in the genre of where they might be, Right. Especially mm-hmm. as you get older, maybe when you're like 15, you don't actually know yet, but you're discovering and you're playing and you're testing things. And then you're like, oh, wow, I met this guy who plays hand drums, you know, mm-hmm. steel drum. And it's amazing. And I want one of those now.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and there's always going to be discovery like that in life. But I always talk about if you're in a place of pain, the next step above pain is a place of peace. Then peace is what you just said. Uh, Do you believe you are the universe looking in on itself? Can you accept that your journey in this life could all be for a reason, right? Like everything Mm -hmm. you've been through, all the pain you're experiencing, is that all, could it be a good thing? And that's when you Mm. achieve peace where you're like, okay, I can accept that all of this has a purpose, has a reason. I may not be in that joy moment right now. I may not be fulfilled right now but could I accept that this is part of that journey? And then from there, I say, just play. Play, 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 Hmm. play, play. play. Like whatever you're doing, if you you have to like work to make money and you can't enjoy it, you can't find a way to enjoy it, that's okay. Play outside of that. So Mm -hmm. as the example with this lady, like find other ways to play and you might discover that in that play, everything else becomes play because you've got enough of it in your life rather than none of it in your life. And from play, you end up finding things like you probably with podcasting and as this got better and as your questions got better, you started to really progress with it. And you were like, wow, not only is this really fun for me, but it doesn't hurt anyone else. It benefits me and the people that I take care of financially, you know, emotionally, spiritually, right? It opens up space in myself from doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And then you do enough things at that level where you're pretty good at it that you start to to get into this flow state. And that's what I call fulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. When you're playing at something that you're good at, that actually fulfills you and puts you into that state where you're like, wow, you know, like even with me, when I'm out filming today, the, the moose and the osprey and I'm taking photos and everyone's around and stuff. And it's like, I, I feel that I am good at this now, right? Mm-hmm. But then I go and I see other people that are good at this. And I'm like, wow, I am not that level, of these mm-hmm. other people. And I think to myself all the time, and if you've ever seen anything else on my YouTube, um, some of the videos, you know, I look back on like, how did I even make that? But then I look at Sam Colder's videos or, or some of these rock stars in the world. I'm like, there's no way I'll touch that unless I spent six <laughs> months on this one video, which is usually what they do. They spend a lot of time on one video. And then I, mm-hmm. I look back at my stuff and I say, and I have this this potential now to sit there and realize, and man, we could catch up a lot, but I've changed a lot since COVID began, Mm. but really since Croatia last year, I feel like I am entirely an entirely different person. And similar to what your story about the mentor earlier, Mm. in some ways I've gotten far more serious, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways life has become so much more intense and I've, Mm. I've achieved higher levels of stress than I ever thought imaginable in ways that I didn't (laughs) know were possible. Right. Right. It's, it's mm. stuff that I had not been aware of before, but it's also joyful in that sense. And we could talk mm. about that whole sun and moon thing earlier, you know, dark and light. But the point I'm trying to make here is that now when I watch my videos, even though I'm so intimidated and really um, inspired by these incredible creators, I see that while well, Casey Neistat is not a cinematographer, right, Sam Colder is, I am not a cinematographer, but we all have our own music, our own art, mm-hmm. our own form. Where I'm like, no one can make a Casey Neistat film. No one can make a Skip Kelly film. It's, it's, it, there's exactly when you get to a certain level of play with it, there's just this energy in the thing that you do. And I feel like photo and video is kind of an easy example to give because you can feel it and you Mm -hmm. can see it. But I want people listening to this to think about whatever the hobby it is that you're doing or whatever that play for you is, whether it's pottery, like you said, you're like, you know, Mm -hmm. if this is a wacky thing and it's got this weird bend in it and it's got like a divot Mm -hmm. here, it's like. It is you, right? It is this expression mm. of where you are in this moment. It's a it's a picture-perfect time. And I do want to clarify that one thing that I mentioned where it's like, it doesn't hurt anyone else. It doesn't take away from other people, right? And it adds to the world. That's a careful thing. Because if it's like, oh, I really enjoy shooting people. I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. Maybe let's not play there, <laughs> right? Let's, let's consider, <laughs> you know, the idea that it should help others. Yeah.
1: Hey, Skip, let's, let's, there's so many tangents off that. And there's one thing that I just like is burning to just like, I just want to really quickly share is with this lady as well. Like one of the conversations I keep finding myself having to have is like, when I ask this lady, you know, um, Hey, you're an amazing, like, uh, she works with numbers. You're an amazing accountant. She's like, yeah. And I was like, were you an amazing accountant? The first year you signed up, she was like, no, I was learning heaps. And I was like, first three years? She was like, no, I was still learning. And I was like, first five years? She was like, yeah, I was starting to get the ropes at about five years. And then I was like, cool, and you've been doing it for 10 plus now. How do you feel? She was like, oh, man, like, I'm great. I'm irreplaceable. And I find it really revealing that we don't, like, with podcasting, bro, I gave myself 10 years. I was like, because I looked back, I cast an eye, and I was like, an engineer, touch wood, pretty good engineer. And I was looking at all these things, like, you know, everything I gave 10 plus years to, I turned out reasonably okay at, right, if not better, <laughs> right. Um, and so, but somehow with our passions, it's like, oh yeah, I produced one painting and I produced a pot and it's like, yep, no, nah, nah, wasn't any good. And I was like, what do you mean? You just spent two, like two weeks doing that, like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I like, what is, you know, there's this aversion to actually giving ourselves the time and space and just going on that journey of like, Hey, what will be there in 10 years? So like the Casey Neistats, all these people that, you know, like look that you look up to in the, in the film space, they started somewhere where Skip Kelly started as well. Right now, the real thing is that for a lot of people out there, um, with some limiting, this is where limiting beliefs come in because someone else is doing a better means that you don't get to do it. <laughs> right. Which is complete bullshit <laughs> because it's like the reason that that person's doing it. Again, you don't even know if reality is real. Like this is me being full Hindu for the moment, but Maya is like an illusion, right? So reality is a complete illusion, perhaps. You don't even know what's going on. I'm right now, I right now think I'm speaking into a microphone, talking to Skip Kelly on the other side of the world. I might be in a mental asylum facing a white wall, banging my head, talking to myself. I don't know, right? But this is my subjective reality. This is what I think is happening. You suddenly right? wake
0: up and you're like, whoa. <laughs> That's such a good chat though. <laughs>
1: And so, in that, like, because we don't really know what's going on, I, I I go into that thought experiment again and again and again, and go, okay, the fact that like I see this person and I'm so inspired by this person, like, you can't fake your inspirations. That's why it's called inspired evolution. You can't fake what inspires you to evolve. So draw on that inspiration. Be like, yeah, that's that. I'm so glad that that person's doing that because that pay that like he's already mapped out the road for me to travel i don't have to reinvent the wheel it's such a blessing but i'm still going to walk that path you know but it's like for a lot of people that you know initially come to coaching they're like uh someone else is already doing it better i'm not doing it and it's like they started somewhere you know that old the journey of a thousand miles begins with a step sort of thing so there's that and i really enjoyed the way you were talking about um about peace as well bro like the whole pain to peace and uh, i have to admit i mentioned i'm not sure if you listened to the marianne williamson podcast yet but I you've got an honorable yet. mention in there yeah you've got an oh. honorable mention in there because <laughs> of the um the the conversation when you first introduced me to the concept of waging peace because she brought that home like in a massive way she's like we've got a wage peace and like, we've got a defense budget do we have a peace budget and I'm like shit. And she goes, if we do have a, like an aid budget, how much are we spending in compared to our defense? And I'm like, oh yeah, right, okay. Um, fair, and so fair. yeah, right, very. She's oh, amazing episode, bro. I'd love for you to check it out, and you're you're mentioned in it. Um, but that whole conversation around waging peace, the way you described it as well, and like I think going from that pain to peace, it takes work. You know, we kind of think peace is just this. The stillness, and it is a quality of stillness, but it takes, you know, you've kind of got to, especially in today's world, going back to that 20% anxiety-laden world that we live in that is, you know, the new 20th century normal, you got to kind of fight for your peace. You know, recently, uh, and and this has been a big thing for me, recently I've been taking 20 minutes out just to lie on my couch. Hmm. And it's so intense, bro. The fact that, like, I turned into such a go-getting entrepreneur Right, Because I love this. I love these conversations. But right now, technically, technically, from the outside looking in, this is some form of work. right? I know it's you and me catching up, hanging out, right? But still, it's me plugged into a screen doing something. I'm doing something. I love it. So there's plenty of flow. And I can do this all day with you. Probably will end up doing it most of the day. (laughs) But the reality is, like, me taking 20 minutes to just lie down and do nothing on the couch. And I get to sit and witness all this stuff that comes up for me, which is, like, all the pain of, like, wow, if I'm not doing stuff, I feel guilty. What am I feeling guilty for? Oh my God, I've got so much inner stuff to unpack. You know, and it's like, wow, okay. Now let's start waging peace with all of that, you know, trying to sift through that. And it's interesting, bro, because lying on the couch has become a new part of my practice when I've been meditating for years. And it's great, like I didn't realize that meditation was giving me an like a thing to do that I felt so centered and grounded in. But then in my day-to-day, I still was like my meditation was something I did. So I was still doing things. But coming back to that essence of just effortless being, that piece, yeah, we got to wage that piece. And so I really want to thank you for bringing that into my field, bro, because that was huge for me. And, and that and that conversation, it went really far as well. And just to honor another tangent that I had, <laughs> sorry, what a, what a roll. Um, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> one of the things um you mentioned was like how do we find these um you know, these pieces of like where we drop into flow. And this is by no means in everybody's case, but um I would say like from my experience of coaching, like I'd say seventy percent and I'm being conservative, seventy percent of people you've already experienced it. You already know where you experience flow. The universe is speaking from you. There's a couple of points here. First one, the universe is speaking through you at all times. You are the universe. It's speaking through you at all times. If you don't know what you love, take a look around at your home. Like you come around to my house, plants, musical instruments, books. I'm into music and philosophy, right? That's kind of what I'm about. You see this podcast set up, I love conversation. I can't fake it. It's everywhere, right? If you don't, if you've got a really clean, minimalist house, pick up your phone. You've Googled stuff. You've Googled vertical gardens. You know, you've Googled how to, how to, like, classic cars. You've Googled all these random things. They're your interests. That's the universe speaking through you. Explore them further. But even before that, like, I, I feel like, and this is a conversation that's not um, too far for both of us, which is the conversation around the culture scape. We grow up and we kind of go to school and we get indoctrinated into this way, like, for me, like, you know, I got indoctrinated into science is the way, right? And so from there, I'm just legitimately just walking into science, became an engineer, and there was this whole creative side to me, right, um, that I didn't really get to explore, right? But I explored it through my academia by doing really well at it. But as a kid, when I look back, it was like, oh, my God, I used to love reading fiction books. Oh my god! I used to love like I used to do. The, my, my parents were so random. They'd put on a Bollywood song. Their friends would come over and they'd have me dance to the song in front of their friends, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's this like right there's like this like kid entertainer kind of thing. And I used to love doing it. And I was like so like over the top, dramatic Bollywood little kid Indian dancer guy. And now when I look back, I find so much flow in dancing, right? Like just just moving, just body movement, just going for a dance. Like I just, I just love it. Just putting on a good song and just hanging out. Now I enjoy making music because that connection to music is so strong, right? And conversation, like the most deepest moments in my childhood were the chats I was having with my dad. Yeah. But then life comes along and you go to school, you get indoctrinated, you kind of get, you know, culture scaped in and then you kind of become this person that you're built to become. Right. And this is where Jordan Peterson talks about you got to go back and rescue the child, as Carl Young puts it. You got to go back, like, you got to go build the life. Now you've got all the infrastructure and the systems, go back and pull that kid back up and put him up here and go, Mm. yeah, now you shine. Right. And so from that point, you've now, you can tap back in, go, where was I when I was really young? Like, for me, it was dancing and music. Music's huge to me. Like, it just gives me everything. Conversations were everything. They brought me home, they brought me to my center. Right. And those conversations for my dad were informed by his curiosity with his meditation, so I learned that from him. So all these things I've gleaned, they're back they were always present back there. And then kind of life happened, and then it's like, oh, boom, I can reconnect back to that energy. So the universe is always communicating to you. And when you're a kid, we have less filters. When we're children, we have less filters. The the Jesuits say it, right? give me the child show me the child before the age of seven, I'll show you the man. It's because there's, they're filterless up until that point. Then the filters start dropping in. And then eventually those, you know, those, the, that, that essence continues to permeate the whole way through. So you can connect back to your essence and find out what it is that you're here to do.
0: Well, and you know, two things. I'll, I'll say this one thing. And then there's a quote from Ours Truly, uh, Vision's new book that I can drop <laughs> here awesome. that, that really, uh, I feel like, hit home uh, for me. And I hope it hits home for other people. But right now, I've got two 11-year-olds and a 9-year-old that I'm traveling with, right? And there is a very, very clear delineation between the 9 and the 11. Um, well, I've, you know, I've known him since he was 8 and the girls since they were 10. And the 8, 9-year-old is just unabashedly, almost never, but is starting to start to care about what other people say or think, but pretty much just does Mm. his own thing. You know, I would say 80% of the time he dresses up. He's, he's actually out there right now, dressed up in a full army camo desert uniform. Legend. It'll be 90 degrees. He'll wear his like fake Kevlar vest with like a pillow in it to make him look beefier with his full pants, long sleeve head beats, headphones with no plug. Because he thinks they look cool, baseball cap, right? With like a walkie-talkie here, it just fully outfitted, cardboard gun that he made, right? That like he he feels like a you know like a military guy, and mm-hmm. just doesn't care. He'll walk into a store, like no i no idea that anyone would look at him or say anything about it. And now occasionally he'll be like, "Is this what do you what do you guys think? Are, is this okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's cool, dude. Whatever, you know, do your thing." Mm. And I I don't really say anything about it. But he's starting to like get that idea that other people, you know, might Mm. think differently. And then here's the crazy part. The girls are 11. Mm. Highly, highly centric on what other people think Mm. already. Very much conscious of like what is in and what is not in, right? Mm. Um, Very timid in expressing like what it is that they individually care about, right? And they're twins too. So that makes it even more interesting. To mm. see how if this one cares about it then this one feels like they should right mm. when I'm like I know this one doesn't care and I would say the ratios are reversed if if the nine year old is eighty percent himself the girls are twenty percent themselves at this interesting. point interesting and I'm starting to see this like slow and you know I mean I do my best to encourage and just be like yet yeah, I mean do your thing you know like they do have their twenty percent so I, I push and put wind in the sails and that twenty percent and I'm like you know just keep that going like this is you, this is totally you. And they're like, but it's weird. I'm like, but it's you, just go with it, you know? Mm. And now let me find that quote. Books, so many books.
1: Oh oh oh! I'm not.
0: Hahaha. To my life <laughs> that's so awesome okay. there's so much joy in that <laughs> yeah they were building a fort and they want me to see it i love it okay so there's actually like quite a few quotes here i'll, I'll rip through these really quickly if this triggers anything okay. in, in listeners The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his education and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he is always doing both. And that's a quote from L.P. Jacks. Love it. And then... Uh, here we go. So this is, uh, David Bohm and it was in a book called The Quantum and the Lotus, which is so, so like Buddha and the Badass and, (laughs) uh, inspired evolution, fulfilling We all talk about like this harmony between, uh, the reality of like, we could die tomorrow, get your stuff done today. And Mm. we're probably in a computer simulation. Don't worry about it. This is all for fun. This is all for play. This is all expression of the universe. So, whatever it is you do or do not do, that's totally fine. So, here's this amazing, amazing quote that just really opened up a whole wormhole that we could get into. Reality is what we take to be true. What we take to be true is what we believe. What we believe is based upon our perceptions. What we perceive depends upon what we look for. What we look for depends upon what we think. What we think depends upon what we perceive. What we perceive determines what we believe what we believe determines what we take to be true and what we take to be true is our reality so as a quick example a story here i was a personal trainer when i was 20 years old right i broke my back in five places when i was 18 i went through this process of learning how to recover it without surgery and in that process learned a whole lot about fitness and rehabilitation and in doing that, I became a professional, and I was making somewhere between, uh, let's call it like $2,000 and $3,000 a month for quite some time, and hmm. I was living at my mom's house in Minnesota for the, the first part of a lot of that journey, and it was wonderful because I didn't grow up without, uh, with my mom, so it was actually a really nice time to bond with her while I did this like hyperbolic time chamber for all you Dragon Ball Z nerds in Minnesota. <laughs> to really learn how to do business and how to do sales. And I was really bad in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And as I went along this journey, I grabbed mentors. These people, these clients would come into my life who were multi multi multi-millionaire business owners, CFOs, CEOs, like the client that you had. And they would say these things that would like break my mind. The way that they perceived Mm -hmm. the world, the way that they perceived money was so different than the way I perceived it as a 20 year old with no money, right? They would say yeah. things like, um, "Like fast forward a few years, and I, I started having billionaire clients. I started working with people that were incredibly wealthy, and some of them were very sad. Some of them were very happy. It was a whole spectrum. Wealth determines nothing about someone's fulfillment and happiness. They can be very fulfilled or very unfulfilled. I find that a yeah. lot of the times we think that wealth means not fulfilled. I completely disagree. I think it's like a higher percentage the more wealth someone has that they are fulfilled or at least have dabbled in that fulfillment in my Mm -hmm. experience of these people. But it was so incredible to see that just being around them, and this is why the five people you spend the most time with is so impactful, just being around Mm -hmm. them started to shift my own perceptions, my beliefs, my reality, right? Bending my reality. And before I knew it, boom, I had started a business on accident that exploded and changed my financial future forever it completely uh, blew Mm. me out of the life i was expecting to live right there was always something inside me that knew that that was a possibility for me and knew that Mm -hmm. i had that in me so i had that belief which is important to have that self-love but then their perceptions bleeding onto me and me just soaking it up like a sponge for years and then Mm. finally when it hit i was ready and i was like okay it's time time to go to the races, right? Mm-hmm. And then the races and then the flow and then the fulfillment and then, you know, all of that. Same, same journey as you.
1: I'm, uh, I'm smiling <laughs> because before we came on today, I was thinking about um, what were we going to talk about today? And obviously, I trust and surrender and drop into, you know, whatever comes up. And one of the things that was present for me, I actually wrote it down as a note um, this morning. And I'm just going to share it with you because it—it's again serendipity or the universe or however it kind of pulls us into these conversations. Um, it, oh, where's this note? Just a sec.
0: I'll just add that oh. you look like such a badass with your new microphone. That's <laughs> so cool. <laughs>
1: Thanks for christening the mic. I can't find the note, but it goes basically along the lines of this. Um, I was thinking to myself that I was pondering this whole conversation around faking it till you make it, you know, because I was talking to my wife this morning and I was just like, wow, like, you know, there's like a roster of like 20 coaching clients like Touchwood and, you know, speaking everywhere and there's just so much happening. And this was like Touchwood, my dream, you know. And um, I was thinking about this conversation around faking it till you make it. And I was like, faking it till you make it. And I was like, there's such negative connotations around faking it till you make it. And I think the operative thing is faking it, right? And so I was thinking about it a little bit more and I was like, actually, what if that conversation was just like, we just park that whole, the whole bullshit around that sort of conversation and it's actually just believing it until you become it. Yes. Yeah. And this is this this is the this was the drop in and the download that I was having this morning, and here we are having this exact conversation right here. And again, you know, this this happens all the time when you're in that flow, like walking the mm-hmm. path of doing what you're meant to be doing. These like I don't know where that came from, and obviously now mm-hmm. I know it was meant to land right here, right now, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: But um, yeah. Instead of yeah, just literally, just you know, believe, 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 and then eventually it'll become. But can mm-hmm. you continue to believe when it doesn't when it's not becoming you know there's there's the real work there's that waging peace conversation again like fighting for what you really want peacefully inside
0: i I just thought of something that might be really valuable mm. and touch wood um, you know you and I have both moved very far in the last several years in our dreams in progressing to to Living the way we would like to live and having the skills we would like to have And I find that this faking it till you make it concept When I think back on when that was something in my life Came from me assuming What these like greater people would say or think about When it came to like me making crappy videos or crappy speeches or crappy client sessions Mm. whatever it was and if, I, if we could give something to viewers right now who want to be a podcaster or uh, want to be a videographer or make documentaries or uh, run any kind of a business, right? And we've, we've both shown to do that. If you meet a brand new podcaster who just thinks the world of you, right? Or if I meet a brand new video person or even someone who's far along in their journey but hasn't taken it so seriously to get really good yet what is my viewpoint of every video they make? Or what is your viewpoint of every podcast they make? Even if it's not the quality of yours or with the type of speakers that you have, what is your gift to them? What are are your actual internal thoughts to them? What would you say?
1: Yeah, beautiful, bro. Because this is actually a real tangible part of my reality, especially with the podcast doing so well, Touchwood. I've got literally like, uh, by no means like you know understanding like three people a day will reach out to me like hey love your podcast can you check mine out or you know like i'm thinking of setting up a podcast and you know um it's good because obviously i've got a little podcasting agency now and we produce people's podcasts for them so that works really well um and obviously i've got an online course for helping people get their podcast out there so that works really well um because obviously i had and again, I'm just sharing that because I had to do so much of this one-on-one with people because of my podcast that eventually got to the point where it's just like, best use of my time. Here's a course, everything's in there for you. you know, um, Here's an agency, like, we'll do it all for you. You know, There's definitely value in this because you can't figure it out. I've already figured it out from three years of work. Here we go, right? So that's just a little insight in terms of what's going on in that space. Um, but I get these questions all the time. Um, and when I feel into it, brother... And I'm a bit nervous to share what I'm going to share, but it's my honest truth, which is I really believe, and this is, I'm going to leverage a metaphor, which is, again, this is probably why I'm nervous to share it. Like with my dog at home, like if I'm angry at her and I say, no, don't do that, do this, no, 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 she is just way more rebellious. She doesn't do what I ask her to do just because my tone of voice is angrier. But when I'm, like, kind to her and I'm like, hey, good girl, good girl, positive reinforcement, man, she nails it. Like, she just gets things that much better, right? She understands her boundaries better. She understands her place in the tribe better. It's it's just amazing. And I have had some really deep, dark, heavy moments in my life, like when I went through my depression. One of the key things I'll never forget is my now wife – um there was a moment in my life where it was probably the only moment in my life that I didn't believe in myself like I actually like you know not necessarily suicidal but if I was here if I wasn't it didn't make any difference to me let's just put it that way right um it was like I was I just failed everybody that I cared about and she believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself And that as a gift is something that I tried to share with everybody as a coach to the best of my ability, which is because I know how much belief actually shifts and actually can hold someone in place because I went through that. For six months of my life, I had no self-belief. I had no belief in life. I had no belief in anything. But there was someone that was there that was like, hey, I believe in you. I see you. You're amazing. Keep going. (laughs) Right? And to be honest, I feel like that's that's a big part of what I – as Amrit, you know, ends up doing for, for a lot of people. Like, there's always constructive criticism to be given. Um, but I, I never really start with constructive criticism because you don't know if people really want that or that might actually like hit them a notch too hard and then they kind of go, oh, I wasn't really looking for that. Fuck, I'm really not good at this. I don't want to do it anymore. So I always kind of made them like, amazing. How many, like, dude, you've done this many episodes or amazing, like you're considering this idea. It's a really good idea. Or I really like this idea. Well, I was thinking about something similar that was like this, you know, and, was like, and then we can start unpacking things. So I always try to... Just just fan the flames with a passion. Is kind of my approach, bro. Um, the reason I'm nervous about that because when someone says that the way that I just said it, it kinda of sounds like they're being insincere when they do that, and that's really not my truth. Um, like I I look for the I look for the silver lining, I look for the positive things in what they've done, and if you get meta enough, like big enough, back further back from the picture enough, the fact that they're like doing something is amazing. There's a time in my life where I was just pissing my life away on PlayStation. you know um and again you know that story came full circle and it's like i'm now i'm learning to spend time on the couch again (laughs) but do you know what i mean like the fact that they're doing something is like it's already awesome it's like cool like and so i always try to meet them with constructive yeah just constructive positive no not constructive positive feedback just to be like amazing keep going you know um and that's like and that's you know that's also been one of the things for me is, like, if we can just leverage that conversation into success as well, I've tuned into enough podcasters now and all the successful ones say the same thing, right? They didn't quit. They're not any better. They're not any worse. <laughs> like, they're, 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 you know. But, brother, I can tell you now, three years ago when I started, I, like, I was starting up with, like, communities of pod, Like, there was legitimately – uh, I knew uh, 50 podcasts that started up around me, like around the same time. We were all just like, I we was just exploring what people were doing as their best practices, my best practices, you know, sharing our ideas. And wow, like as I cast my eye back, not one of them is active anymore, according to me. Maybe if I started researching a few of them, that perhaps maybe I feel like perhaps five or six of them might still be alive um, and thriving. Um, even that is a ten percent from my awareness. It's one in fifty, which is the inspired evolution. Um, yeah, I think people kind of go back to that conversation where it's like we expect our passions to mature and be what they're meant to be because they're our passions, and I think that's probably one of the things that perhaps we can explore, bro. Like because it's our passion, we're so intimate with it. We we can feel it to polished to the nth to, nth degree. It's like. I can feel the fire. But then when you go put it out in the world, it's like the flames like this big. And it's yeah, just like, yeah, what yeah, yeah. What
0: yeah. do you
1: mean? Bro? <laughs> like, Oh shit. I oh, know it wasn't what I thought it was. And no, it's not, not what it wasn't. It's the first time you gave it an outlet. You need to cultivate it. Right? Like I could almost write a book on cultivation, right? It's like, the uh, yeah, totally bro. Totally cultivate it, cultivate it, cultivate it and allow it to become what it needs to become. So my mission is to try and support other people. Couldn't like, um, cultivate their passions and fundamentally if you keep cultivating your passions like you said that becomes your purpose Right? keep doing what you're passionate about keep playing keep playing keep playing passion is for you you keep pumping up your passion it becomes your thing and then once someone else sees value in what you're doing for you it becomes their purpose
0: passion is for you right if the if the passion is coming from impressing or fulfilling somebody else's Mm. desire or because you think it's cool, that passion will fade. And I, I echo everything. I actually almost have nothing to add to what you just said. I have the exact same opinions and even mm. the phrasing I would have even echoed probably. And you know, my, my one line is like, I just wanna put wind in people's sails until they fly or run into a wall. And mm. it's like the faster you can move in the direction of your passion, the better. Because mm. if it's not going to be the thing, if the thing that you're doing isn't going to be it, you're going to find out faster and then you'll pivot and you'll move to another thing. Totally. And you'll pivot and totally. You'll move to another thing, but just keep the momentum, just keep moving.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and that wisdom is really hope- powerful, bro. Yeah. The, the conversation around it, even like going, going 50 steps in the wrong direction like, you know, you've got to do that with your GPS. Google teaches you that. Sometimes like you you, you circle like yeah. Google, by the way, is amazing. Apple, not so much, right? Sorry, I'm biased. Because oh. <laughs> the Google actually has the triangle on Google Maps pointing your direction. Whereas mm. on Apple it's just a circle and you don't know where you land. It's got, so you've the, actually uh, got... It's
0: got the um it's got the the oh, weird yeah. fog He's trying, light. To, justify
1: He's trying to justify it. He's trying to justify it. Go on. Go on. No, war. <laughs> Wage that face, bro. So, <laughs> so basically, Apple, you've got to walk 50 meters. Anyway, sometimes you've got to walk 50 meters in the wrong direction to know which way you're facing. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, and this used to happen to me cycling all the time, like cycling around urban city environments, like four left turns, like which way do I go? And you kind of take the wrong turn and then you go and it's like, oh, I moved the wrong place. The dot's off. You've got to go back and go the other way so you can get back on the right path. Now, had I not gone down that path, I would not have known that I need to turn around and go back. So people often see that going 50 steps in the wrong direction is like a waste of time. And one of my favorite quotes, bro, like I live by this, more is lost to indecision than wrong decision. More is lost to indecision than wrong decision. And
0: let's just <laughs> more add a, a beautiful plug here, decision. which is there's, there's like two things, right? Like I get out of the like subways all the time when I used to travel mm-hmm. and go to subways and it would be that issue, right? Where you're like, oh, I have no idea which direction I'm facing. So I pull up the compass app, right? And sometimes even mm-hmm. that wouldn't be like corrected yet as mm-hmm. you get up to the surface level. So what if you could call a friend who has been to that exact place before and just ask them which, which direction to turn? And that might be something akin to what you do with coaching,
1: Mm, very much so, very much so, very much so, and that's why, actually, when I reflect back on, like, some of the coaching that I've had, like, I, it's interesting, like, I've had some amazing coaches, um, Fission's an incredible coach, Eckhart Tolle was an amazing coach, but some of the coaches for, like, some of the hard skills, like, public speaking, um, some of the people that I respect a lot, like, um, they've been speaking for like 10, 15 years and they've got coaching programs and I've looked at them and gone, I really would love to learn to speak like that person. But then I've also met people that are like two years or three years into the speaking like journey. And they're like, Hey, I'd like to coach speaking as well. And I look at them and they're just like, because, okay, the person that's been coaching like speaking for 10, 15 years, they're amazing. Right. They've got this grace, this suave. They're just, that's them. They're a speaker. They've embodied it. But this person that's on the three-year journey, like everything they've learned is so much fresher in their mind and they're so much closer to the pain points that I have and they've just worked through them so closely. And the uh, – enigmatic is kind of the word, right? Like they're they just they just a little bit more on fire about it, you know? And I'm not saying that you lose your fire over time, but you become more mature with it, right? And so sometimes I found, I found myself looking to people that are just a little bit further ahead of me. Just like three years is like a really nice sweet spot going, oh, you're just three years ahead of me? Perfect, because you can actually dial into my pain points. Whereas I've had coaches that are like 10 years down the track and they're talking to me and I know that they know but they're not really meeting me exactly where I'm at, not by any fault of their own. It's just to remember things a decade, like anybody listening in, think back to where you were a decade ago and trying to give yourself advice back then, you know, it's, it ends up being pretty generalized. Um, so yeah, horses for courses. And I think, yeah, it re- like coaching has helped me so much brother, that it's just been a blessing to be able to, to be able to share that on, you know, it's, um, it's, And yeah, until you really have a coach, you don't really understand like just how, just how epic, just how epic it really can be. You know, just to have a friend, a confidant, someone that it's not just like setting goals and being accountable to things. It's like someone that can actually sit there, unpack some of their deepest things with you, and having a space where you're unashamed to kind of explore you know, what's really been burning inside you. Like for some people having the conversation, I'm like, yeah, you know, like I want to just paint and do pottery. It's like there's a lot of guilt around that sometimes. It's just a lot of shame. It's like of all the passions I could be passionate about, like I don't want to be an astronaut, I want to make pottery. And people kind of feel stuff come up around that, but having a safe space and a container to have those conversations and then just, you know, being on the path of a learner to seek. Yeah, there's just so much in there. There's so much in there to learn from, from each other. And especially when someone's determined to to learn, share, learn and share, to learn from those people is is really a blessing because they love sharing as well, and you light up mm. when they share. So, do
0: yeah. you have any recommendations as my my last question, uh, and then we'll start to wrap up? Do you have any recommendations? No way! I don't want to wrap up. I know, <laughs> I know. Got, they're they're <laughs> so on, excited. I know you got kids it.
1: to tend to. Fair enough. All um, right. I do love you, though. And I could do this for
0: you. I love you, too. Just saying. Do you have... The second I'm time so excited <laughs> to fly over to Australia and do, like, a live session. Or, like... Oh, 50, yes. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> um, just like a podcast marathon.
0: <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Let's just make something. Yeah. So, I really... It's you easy. know, I'm really actually... I'm getting a lot of inspiration lately uh, to mm. to make more, like, documentaries. Not, not even... I don't want to call Yo. it, like, a documentary, but, like... I don't know if you've been seeing some of the more cinematic content. I'm going to put together some more stuff really soon so you'll see. But, like, there's this new style that's starting to come up for me that I'm really feeling, like, guided to put together that I have not seen. Mm. So if you go as far back as Ethiopia, the Ethiopia trip that I Mm. did in that video, that's kind of the earliest time I made a video in this style that worked. I tried it before, but it didn't really, Croatia, most of the Croatia videos were kind of that style, but the Ethiopia Mm -hmm. one was really beefy. It's like a 15 minute video that's, that's cinematic and it's got story and it's not me, it's other people. And I'm really feeling like called to do more of that. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I don't know, there's so much stuff to teach in the world and so many good people to teach it. And I just feel like I I don't have enough hands to go and make it all, (laughs) you know, but I want to. I want to take that challenge, <laughs> wave that flag. But um, what, was the, what was the question I was about to ask you? Yeah, what, do you have a recommendation for people uh, coaching? Like I've tried so many coaches over the years, and I've had a lot of really bad experiences. So like hmm. how does someone go about finding a coach Um, what are, maybe if you could give us like, what are the categories of coaches that we might want to be looking into in this space? Because I know it's like, you can get, yes, like a life coach, but you could also get like, there's a variety of types of those. Like what type of person do you want? Can you get, can you give us like some ground rules of how to seek, how to seek a coach?
1: Yeah. So there's so many different touch points within which you can come home to a coach Um, it's a, it's a really great question, brother. And I'm just going to give my answer, which is I generally, and I'll just share from my experience and then perhaps I'll share what I prescribe and there might be a slight difference between the two, but I generally feel into my life and what feels like, um, it needs work upon. Yeah. And then sometimes I have to surrender that to serendipity, right? So just to give you an idea, um, the year before last, before last, so three years ago, was a very Mind Valley centric year. Um, so, being coached by Vision in the Mind Valley team to then go and deliver trainings all over the world. So, I was looking to become a speaker. So, I kind of needed to uh, like some sort of business acumen but also content acumen so I kind of needed this weird sort of and how that came to be was very serendipitous right it was just like I was looking for this thing and Mindvalley offered it and I was like boom I'm, I'm going to connect to that and I was very clear on what I was looking for and I think that helped me manifest it but now we're talking about way more ethereal kind of stuff than the grounded kind of conversation I've, I'm looking to answer here the following year I was looking for a business coach which was last year yeah and it just so happened that Eckhart Tolle offered a scholarship to basically, you know, be coached by him. And I was just like, oh, shit, okay, you don't really say no. Uh, well, I was never going to say <laughs> no, you don't. I was, I was never going to say no to the opportunity to be coached by Eckhart Tolle. So I was just like, okay, cool. So I guess that means we're getting spiritual coaching this year. Um, And so I went on that journey and this year I – I was still carrying that energy of wanting to grow my business. So now back with the business coach now. So I finally got the business coaching that I want and that's really helping me, you know, go in the right direction. Now, how did I land? Every coach so far has been somewhat serendipitous. Um, The business coach was a recommendation from a friend that I respect in this space Um, and I respect her business acumen. So there are a lot of categories we can get coaches for. Your health and fitness is an obvious one. Like a personal trainer is a coach, right? Um, Intellectual life, emotional life, character, spiritual life, um, that kind of falls under what most people think actually is like life coaching kind of vibes. Yeah, like general mainstream life coaching. Um, Then you've got a relationship coach, which you can have. um, Some relationship coaches also do parenting. And then you've got like a career coach, finance coach, those kind of business coaches. So those are generally the different avenues. For me, um, when I look back on the experiences of me coaching people, um, I guess my whatever you call it, like I, 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 we'll talk about me in a moment, but then let's start with what I generally say is start with a life coach, just a general life coach, and they'll help you dial in, They, or, 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 I, I believe, a big part of them should be able to help you dial in what areas need most focus. If you don't know what areas need most focus in your life, because your life is one big container to them. Right. So it's like going to the GP, right? So you go to the GP and they're like, Hey, um, I think, you know, you need to go see any, um, I don't know, cardiologist, right? Then you can go see a, a business and a finance coach. But initially you might already be aware that there's something's going on with your heart. You might go directly to the cardiologist, right? Um, so there's kind of that, that approach. Generally, I would invite you to feel into who resonates with you, right? But that comes with just a a point of wariness. I invite you to be wary of just the fact that for me, it's really like, I love getting spiritual coaching. I love it. Like I just, I'm like a duck in water, absolutely a duck in water. And yes, playing to your strengths, But then also like it's important for me to get coached around the business side of things so that I can actually support my vision in a grounded way to develop what I – to, you know, bring into reality the things that I want to do. So if you were like, Amrit, you know, you've got one year left. Do you want to set up your business or do you want a business coach or a spiritual coach? I'd be like any day of the week I'd be like spiritual coach, (laughs) right? That's just me. That's just Amrit's MO. But knowing that you've got 10 years, right, Um, from that perspective, then it goes, all right, what's like really going to help you like at this point in a grounded way, then you need to start having some of those conversations Like, actually I need a business coach, right? Like, yes, I enjoy this, but this is actually going to help the rubber hit the road in many ways. So that's kind of where I find myself being in a, in a pretty unique kind of position where I find myself pitching life coaching is pretty much what I do. It's like, hey, life coaching and I don't really do any hard sales. It's mostly just, you know, this person had amazing results. If these results sound like something similar to what could help you or this sounds like where you're at, I'm always here. Let me know. Here to help, you know. That's kind of my attitude. Um and from there Yeah, I find the journey the journey goes to the journey goes to where it kind of needs to go to and oftentimes with the life coaching the next thing is because I'm so focused on rubber hitting the road we end up doing business coaching, right? And it's no surprise that coaches and mentors are often confused for one for the other, right? Because as a good coach, generally you're leaning in on your experience to share with other people, not always, right? Like I've – and that's where the podcast is super useful. Like I'm gleaning from the wisdom of presidential candidates, from people that have had conversations with God, you know, from people that have written – Like, you know, hundreds of people have produced PhD papers on flow and then I can like glean all that wisdom and share that on with people, right? So a coach is good at doing that. So it's not always based on their experience, but even that is part of a conversation that I've experienced, that I've embodied and then been able to share on. So I feel like for me, my point of difference is that, yeah, you come in for life coaching, but then we kind of go down the rabbit warrens of wherever you need to go because that's inspired evolution as well, right? It's like actualizing all that self-realization to the best way possible. And that's kind of my mission, right, to be inspiring and to evolve and to be inspired to evolve so that others are inspired to evolve. So that continuation is kind of my prayer. So a very long, long, long long-winded answer to something that is quite short and succinct in the way that follow your inspirations, follow what inspires you, but sometimes it may be that you might just be looking for the most comfortable thing. Don't be afraid to be challenged.
0: beautiful and then last question um aside from what we've already talked about is there anything big on your mind right now yeah let's just anything big on your mind right now that you want to share that that's like just a really important message that you're like everyone needs to hear this
1: um there's two ways I could go with that. So I might just take your permission and go both ways. Um, so uh, the message that's burning in my heart always and forever is that health and purpose are one and the same thing, right? So if ever I was asked this question, this is always my response, because that is what is basically the message from this lens looking out at the universe. This is kind of what this lens was put here to do, touch wood, from what I've gathered. Um If you're not healthy, it's generally because you're off purpose. And if you're off purpose, calibrate your health and you'll find yourself coming back to what means the most to you and you'll find that purpose and that fulfillment. They're intrinsically one and the same. For a long time, I thought I was just a kooky kind of person that went through depression, learned some really hard life lessons at a really early age um, and that this was just my message. And then when I started unpacking ancient wisdom like in – uh, the uh, in the Vedas, which Ayurveda, um, the science where yoga comes from. Um, the health science that is Ayurveda, which is not that foreign to a lot of people now. A lot of people know what Ayurveda is, um, or at least understand that it's an in Indian health. It's like the Indian equivalent of t- traditional Chinese medicine. Some Indians would say traditional Chinese medicine stole a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know. I'm not going there. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the Ayurveda which is health, right? It's all like an Ayurvedic way of being is all around your health at its center, right? At its center for Ayurveda, health exists to facilitate your dharma. Ayurveda exists to facilitate your dharma, right? So health exists to facilitate your purpose. So if you're off health, you're generally off purpose, Right. And if you're on purpose, like Warren Buffett lives off cheeseburgers, man, and coke. Like, what the (laughs) fuck? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's on purpose. Mm. Right. Like, where does that energy come Mm. from? Right. The universal kind of alignment of things, I believe. Right. That's my belief. So, and Beyonce can film music videos three days straight without eating, literally water without eating and sleeping three days straight, just water, just her. She forgets to eat and sleep. Where does the energy come from? The universe right? So health and purpose are one and the same thing. Um, and that's where I kind of see myself as like, everyone sees me as Mr. Purpose coach, right? So that looks like life coaching, but then also let's implement that into your business and let's go from there. But I see myself as a health coach, <laughs> which is kind of like a really kooky kind of, uh, position to be in, but that's, that's the way I see it. So I care about your health and your health is your expression in life and the way you're living it and your purpose. So that's, that's my biggest message. And yeah, what's coming up for me recently, and I think this would just be really cool to share with you just because the energy of some of this podcast is also catch up vibes is uh, after that podcast I had with, and I've talked about it a bit about it with, about Marianne Williamson, but it's been interesting because it's yeah, three years of the podcast inspired evolution. And that was like a, it's a really huge episode for me. If many things collided, including that waging peace idea. And, um, She mentioned one of these things, which was a Martin Luther King quote, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but I'm going to give you the essence of it, which is basically she said, um, Love without power is anemic. And power without love is pretty hollow. And I remember her saying that, and I just, and and I like kind of got this real awareness that love is like a. Love could be my religion, you know? Like, love really could be my religion, that Bob Marley song. Or is it Ziggy Marley? Anyway, one of the Marleys. Love is my religion. And from there, I realized that I kind of don't go into the conversation around power because potentially... it just there's so many examples of power being misabused in today's society and she calls that out and she's like we need more people that are like love oriented to step into their power so that we can alleviate these toxicities right so we can actually start walking this way forward and man listen to the episode it i was like dude i gotta run for office like she
0: is beyond inspiring she's mobilizing do you know that i run the president's club
1: yeah i know we, we said i didn't, we, I didn't know I was there when you set it up okay. i was there yeah, when yeah. you set it up in uh, in croatia <laughs>
0: do you realize uh we've been extremely consistent since then i love it like we're meeting tomorrow can you, morning
1: can you share that episode with the president's club so that they can all get inspired and go do some awesome shit <laughs>
0: well and this is like my whole perspective on it which i think we've discussed before but it's just yeah love without power power without love
1: and so, one of the things that came up for me is we were talking about the tenets of the faith of like humility is a key part, a key component for a Sikh, and it's my life's work, right? Just like learning is my life's work, humility is my life's work, right? Just because I'm the more, like, the more humble, the more I can humble myself. The more doors will open, I fundamentally believe that right because if I can just humble myself to a blade of grass the gra- the blade of grass will teach me. if I humble myself you know to the to the rivers the, the rivers can teach me about flow and letting go like I can learn from everything as long as I'm humble enough to open to that um, So humility for me is a life's work and I've been noticed and I after this conversation, I was in a meditation and I realized that I'm consistently like driving for humility like it's this thing that i'm like always seeking for it's like stay humble be humble be more humble stay humble now i'm just gonna put a container around this conversation like i went through a journey where that was really important for me and i've just started to emerge from that i'm not sure what i landed and i'm really cautious because if you're not ready then this is not an invitation to embrace your ego right this is not what i'm asking you to do in any shape way or form full asterisks right and if that's what you're hearing then Mm-hmm. Face faceplant into the asterisk, please. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was like just driving, 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 driving into humility. And I realized, and this was the, the download I got from the whole love power conversation, is that pushing for humility is like the only thing that's pushing is all this ego, right? Because there would be no pushing for humility if there wasn't an so the whole yin and yang conversation. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. So, like, I can't really stretch for humility without there being an ego to stretch for it. And in that love and power, like, I can't describe to you, but the conversation around, dude, like, take some time and perhaps come to reconcile that you are just an emanation again, once again, of the universe looking in on itself. And in that, like, just be humble and open to that. But. Don't deny parts of it, you know? Like, there are some really powerful parts to that. Like, your thoughts create your reality, you know? And can you take that on? Now, like, where does the delusion end and where does the the reality and the sanity stay? Like, there's, there's a whole exploration in there, right? Philosophers have been trying to do that. Alchemists have been trying to do that for ages, right? And I'm not sure we'll ever find a kind of embed that down. But the thing that dropped in for me in and around this kind of messy, gooey kind of swamp of like, holy shit, if I'm not pushing for humility, how do I stay humble? Was this radical acceptance. And that has been an intention. So for the last 12 months, I've been carrying the intention of surrender. And surrender just, as of that, Miriam some podcast has shifted into radical acceptance. So I started doing some work um, via this book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack. And I read it three years ago, but you know when the student's ready, the teacher appears. When I read it three years ago, it was just a book. I smashed through it and moved on. Right now, like, I can't make it through 15 minutes without pausing, reflecting, digesting, assimilating, and then going back to it. And it's taken me, like, it's a three-hour audiobook. It's taken me three weeks to read. Like, it's, it's, it's work right now. Um, and this whole concept around radical acceptance of just, you don't need to push for Humility like there is the true humility just sees everything for what it is and you can just like just be okay with it radically accept everything um and it's a really interesting approach because in the book and I kind of feel this shift like it's a really deep shift like I'm talking about all these subtleties but it's huge for me because it's really deep she describes how spirituality generally we have two blanket mainstream kind of paths that we approach Like there's obviously spirituality is individualized to every individual, right? So I believe if there's 7.6 billion people on the planet, there's 7.6 different ways to meditate. That's literally what I believe. Um, But she says that generally there's one path, which is focus on what is holy, what is sanctified, what is pure. And all the netherworld stuff, all the earthly stuff, just push it aside and just keep focusing on what's pure. And maybe this is where some of the the conversations around – what is it when they don't you know where you uh it's not chast is it chastity or i don't know uh not chastity but like you know where you where you deny your your sex your shame your guilt your anger you just just and just keep focus on the light just keep focusing on like god holiness and just keep connecting to that and just forget about what's down here right because that is and it's a spiritual path right and The other path, which he says is available, is this conversation around, oh, I do have shame, and I do have guilt, and actually, what is, why do I have guilt? What do I have to, like, what does it have to say to me? What can I learn? And you kind of peer into it, and on the other side, you find your freedom. But the issue is there's so much fear about looking at your shame and your guilt that we don't do it, right? And which is why this spirituality is so much more prevalent. Right. But even as I was describing it to you, you can see it's a bit more phallic in its nature, right? It's a bit more masculine. It's just Mm -hmm. like, like, boom, right? Whereas this is a bit more maternal. It's like, there's all these little bits and it's like, oh, what what do you want from me? And what do you want from me? And what are you trying to teach me? And she likens it to the Buddha, like in this pose where he kind of sits there with his fingers and, you know, the the darkness is kind of coming to ensue him. But when it touches him, it dissolves. I'm not sure if you remember uh, when we were in Estonia, mind valley university and gelong tubton did a meditation maybe you're in the the hall then or not and he did a tong len practice where you for most of my meditations it's like breathe in light ease breathe out tension darkness breathe in ease breathe out tension gelong gets up on stage and goes all right are you ready here we go breathe in all the darkness of the world And breathe out the light that you are. Breathe in all the darkness of the world. And breathe. And I was just like, and I I remember being horrified. I was so triggered. I was just like, (laughs) what are we doing here? Are you serious? And Tara brings her back and she goes, before, and that was like a much more advanced level. She goes, you don't have to breathe in the world's pains and sorrows, but breathe in your own pains and sorrows and transmute them through you into light. You are a being of light. You Can you learn to accept you for who you truly are? You're this powerful, amazing being, right? All these things that you're holding and suppressing and not giving day and time to, they're all governing your life. But if you can give them time and space and actually acknowledge them and radically accept you for who you are, for me that is like a new definition of humility, which is radical, radical acceptance of just, okay, just being one with what is, Um and the quality of my awareness has started to shift. I can't really describe it in a, in a palpable sort of way, but it's it's been quite profound for me. So, yeah, radical acceptance is a piece that you know, kind of is where the work is happening at this end <laughs> um, of the health and purpose conversation at the moment. So, yeah, that's just Beautiful. everything.
0: <laughs> so powerful, so powerful. This this last segment I'll have to snap off and and put it out as its own thing because you know these are these are insights that are gleaned from years and years and years and told in a way where uh you're still naive enough to explain it in a way that i think people can understand rather than just going up on stage and saying breathe in darkness breathe out your light you know where that's that's Mm. that's very hard to understand and you Mm. had to go through this whole process of understanding it right so thank you for that and An it blessing, really brother. is, it's full circle to the whole conversation, right? Of just saying like, maybe all this fucked up stuff that's happening is part of my great destiny, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I am a badass or a Buddha or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I'm so pumped. I'll get this edited and and put out. And man, thank you so much for just sharing all your stories, all your wisdom, uh, you know, I I miss you so much, and it's so great to see your face and get to share all the words and the conversation and stuff. And I've got tons of other questions, and I feel like I haven't seen a photo or a video of Gaia in too long, so I feel like I need a little bit of that. You know, maybe like a selfie with you and Kay, all that good stuff. And uh, I'll send I'll send similar things, including a picture of baby moose. (laughs) A baby yeah.
1: movie, you know? <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait yeah. to see that. <laughs> yeah, Brother Bear, thank you, man. Like, it's it's just, yeah, you know, the wisdom is not mine. It's just life's, you know, it's just life teaching us. Um, and we've all got wisdom. And uh, But thank you for reflecting that back to me. It's, you know, it's an honor to be able to come on and share. And I really respect and love, yeah, not even just yeah, I love your work, but I love you. <laughs> you know, And the work is just a byproduct of all of that. So um, so yeah, just really nice to, to drop in and have a chat. You know, this has really felt really flowy, really easy. And yeah, I'm just really grateful for the space you hold in my life. And even just some of the yummy conversations we get to have about you no know, random things as well. You know, they really, they really carry me to the next time I see you sort of thing. Speaking so, of,
0: is yeah. Grace still doing takeout right now?
1: Yeah, they are, bro. Those cakes are going like wildfire. (laughs) They're selling like (laughs) hotcakes. And, uh, yeah, like I I was – even just one of the other things we were talking about recently was like um, some of the things you were talking about in investing as well and we had some really interesting – I've had some really interesting conversations around that as well. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was fascinating, especially like – I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share, but I guess you can edit this out if you need to – the piece around because we can't travel as much it's a wise idea to kind of invest in local travel like outback adventure camping sort of mm-hmm. gear and equipment and like everyone in the office was just like that's oh my god i'm gonna go do that and i'm like skip kelly at his finest <laughs> 100%, yeah.
0: i'm sure that investment's done super well did you do that
1: Myself, no, uh, but I've fasted on. I still need to figure out the how to how to do it, um, yeah. and I do want to sit down and unpack that with you further. I got some apps based on what we discussed last time, but I wasn't sure how to plug my bank account into making the investment that I wanted to make. Um, I'm sure it's super easy. Yeah, I just yeah. Need Let's to sit down. Let's sit down and do
0: it. whenever you have time, just let me know, and we'll sit down and do it. Because uh, it's funny that you say that, because you know I went really heavy into Camping World, which is a U.S. Mm. company, yep. and they have crushed like i want to say march 15th there were about six or seven single digits dollars a share mm. and they they peaked at about 50 recently whoa whoa yeah because just think right people can't travel internationally so what are they going to do and this is part of the whole Fulfillionaire thing for people that are still watching this far in but like money is a big piece of it and money allows you the space to ask these existential questions and to, to chase the play at a higher level and to chase the progress. And as with your pottery girl and who does painting now as well, right? She has potentially more capability to really harness those gifts because she has the freedom given to her by the financial stability of her job. Right. And it doesn't Mm. mean like your job has to be like your passion, right? Like I do video, but it's Mm. not where I make the bulk of my money. But I do make money doing it, but I spend the bulk of my time doing it, right? But it's, like, just the thing that I love. And and who knows, maybe someday I'll get, like, a $200 million contract to make some big Hollywood movie or Netflix special, right? But until then, let's play. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, investing, huge, hugely important thing.
1: (laughs) I love that. Oh, bro, I'm going to miss you. I don't want to hang up <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I, I hear them getting ready for bed out there <laughs> thanks for christening my mic on the three-year anniversary yes. of the podcast yes. dude such a blessing <laughs> yeah and then you gotta get that extra xlr cable for the cloud lifter now yeah i can't wait
1: i can't wait and i'm glad i learned that today as well thanks for helping me set it all up as well it looks gorgeous in here